Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We're your hosts, David O. And Eric V. Today we're joined by our guest, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing all right. You know, Good. navigating the world as it is. You ask the apocalypse. Yeah. So, uh, where are you from, Steve? I'm from Bloomington, Minnesota. All right. Uh... So, uh, when were you first introduced to recovery? Um, I'd say probably 2003. Yeah, 2003? Yeah, 2003. Nice. And how long have you been, uh, sober? I've been sober on the 14th. It'll be eight months. Nice. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It's taken a while to get to the point I'm at. Yeah, I hear you, man. It happens. And uh, with all that out of the way, we're going to turn it over to you to share your story with us, so take it away. Okay. Um, I'm Steve. I'm a former meth head, hothead. Um, my story starts actually about 12 years old, you know, with... Uh, addictive substances. My first addictive substance was nicotine, was tobacco. So, um, I would be either smoking or or chewing Copenhagen in school and there's a lot of problems there because I always got busted. You know, in the end, you always get found out if you're doing dirt. Um, speed that up to age 14, I tried pot for the first time and liked it and then smoked smoked sporadically till I was 14. Then I had time of sobriety from 15 to 17 because I was taught at home, uh, with homeschooled. Um, and then uh, my use started up again with alcohol at age 17, just on, you know, usually on like a Friday or a Saturday night mm-hmm. with my buddy, we'd each get a pint of hot 100 and, and or, or whatever, hard liquor and, and chill in a hot tub and, and BS and have some fun. And, um, that's where the downward spiral begins because, you know, it w- I went from booze to marijuana. My brother, my little brother actually introduced with my hookup from 18 to about 20. Um, my, my mid-20s was a lot of LSD, uh, cocaine, crack, um, mushrooms, uh, Mm -hmm. lots of pills, um, basically whatever was on the table, if it was on the table, I was doing it. Um, you know, and you know, life is all right. The worst thing that ever happened is I maybe got thrown in detox or came home and threw my guts up in the toilet at night and, and, and 
working in bars um, as a cook, you know, you're always getting free beers after work and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I didn't have to pay very much for drinks mm-hmm. while I was working. And, you know, that once I hit 21 and was legal, you know, I was drinking every single freaking night I, as, as much as I could get. I think there was maybe in a two year span, there was probably one night that I wasn't puking my guts up at the end of the night. Um, I puked so hard, my, the blood vessels in my uh, eye burst. Ooh. And I had red splotchy eyes for the longest time. Uh, my major trouble started about 27. Well, actually about, yeah, I'd say about 26. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing acid, doing cocaine, hot and heavy then. Um, you know, people dragging me home because I can't move. Um, really had a lot of tension between me and my parents, you know, mm-hmm. um, and my sister who was using at the time was, was even like, man, you got to back off, bro. Cause it's just, you're too much, man. So, you know, that was going on. Um, you know, anything and everything was, the only thing I wanted was more sex, drugs, alcohol, porn. Uh-huh. It didn't matter, you know, as long as I got some kind of a buzz or a warm fuzzy feeling from it, I was doing it. Uh-huh. And uh, the first time I got busted and went to prison was age 27 in about 2003. Um, got in some trouble with the law. They busted me. I did, you know, since 2003 to 2014, I've been in and out of prison for most of that time. Um, I was out for a couple of years in, you know, from 04 to 06, right back until 08, back out till 2013, in and out, in and out, in and out, drugs. And it was all because I did stupid shit when I was high or drunk, Mm -hmm. you know? Anytime I was medicated, I was doing stupid shit that I knew I I could get busted for, but I didn't care because you know, you don't feel anything when, when you're when you're hired in a kite. You don't think about things. All you're thinking about is party, party, party. Um, yep. You know, um, now, going into my mental health, growing up as a child, I'd say till probably age 25, I have been struggling with ADHD. Um, that was really, you know, 
the thing about when when you're having problems with mental health is hey, you know, I can drink I can drink myself unconscious or I can go and get high enough to where I won't care what people think. I'll just be me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the ultimate boost for self-esteem and ultimate excuse to do whatever the hell you want. You know, mm. I was funnier. I was cooler. People were hanging out with me. Always wanted to hang out, invite me to parties. Of course, you know, that's because I'm 21 and I can buy booze. Or yeah. I've got the good drugs, you know. But now, the flip side of that is when when you don't have the drugs, people really don't like you all that much. They tend to forget about you. And I just, you know, talked it up. Okay, people, we're busy, whatever. It is what it is. So, um, you know, doing that for... I've, I've been getting high and drunk for 30 years. I'm 46 years old. Um, father of two. You know, I fucked up that relationship, too, because my kids want nothing to do with me. I was barely in their life at all. I didn't know how to be a father. I was more at the, you know, had kids when I was 26, and, and like, I was, I was still a little kid inside. You know, I... I, I Needed that acceptance, and I needed, I wanted to party, you know. Everything, I, mm-hmm. I put everything and anything in front of family, kids, friends. There's so many bridges I've burned. Um, luckily, my family is still on my side. Uh, but, you know, my two girls really don't want much of anything to do with me. They're one standoffish, and one was more like you haven't changed. So what, what's different, you know? Um, so I really can't, you know, there's a lot of relationships that I've gotten. The, the thing about being high is you don't really care who you hook up with. I mean, you know, cause it's all drug centric. It's, it's all about where the dope's at and, and, you know, whether they get high too, because mm-hmm. if you somebody who doesn't get high, they're going to sit there and peck your butt or, or just blow you off and go someplace else with somebody that is sober. Mm-hmm. So, you know, ending up hooking up with people is, is bad shit crazy as I am. And, just as many issues, if not more, and it's just toxic relationships. Um, not really knowing, not really wanting companionship and, and a relationship, just wanting to get high and fuck. That was it. Yeah. Um, so that's been my cycle for the past 30 years. Um, and then, like, I'd say the last five years I got introduced into methamphetamines 
and it's gotten yeah. even worse, man. Um, I went uh-huh. from smoking it to eating it to uh, shooting it up. I saw a buddy shoot it up one time, and he was like, he's like, that's the only way to go. So I was like, hey, stick me up. Next thing you know, I'm sticking needles in my arm every single day. Um, and just, you know, staying up for three days at a time. On the fourth day, it's like I can barely keep my eyes open. Um, I went, had to turn myself in um, for booking on a check forgery charge about a year and a half ago. And, and I was, I'd been high for the past three days and, and the cop there asked me, hey, are you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm just really, really tired. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know you're doing too much dope when you can go to sleep on the shit you're smoking. You know, it, it, you know you're, you're doing that much all the time. Your body gets used to it. Your tolerance goes up. So, of course, you know, you got to do more and more and more and more. And it's just snowballed, you know. My parents, you know, I've stolen from my parents. I've stolen from my sister, my brother. I've stolen from anybody and everybody I could. So mm-hmm. I just my addiction, you know. Pawn shops were my friend because they'd take anything, pretty much no questions asked. They assumed it was your shit. And, you know, so... Yeah, I was hitting them like once or twice a week. Everybody wanted me to pawn shit off for them. Okay, so give me some dope. All right, cool. We can do that, you know. Um, It's just, you know, this past few years, you know, being homeless and, 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 and being told that the only way you can go home to see your parents is if a your mom's there and your dad's not there and your dad doesn't find mm-hmm. out because because uh, you're living on the streets because they kicked your ass out and they're both really pissed at you. Um, luckily, mm-hmm. I got in to my parents' house and got into treatment. Um, they put me. I made the mistake of going. I, I completed four months of inpatient treatment and then left that treatment center, went to a different treatment center and continued to do uh, outpatient and ended up using while I was an outpatient. Um, it was in a harm reduction program. So, you know, they're like, mm. okay, you know, you aren't doing methamphetamines, which is your drug of choice. So, you know, smoking weed every once in a while to make sure you can get to sleep in the shelter. It's still bad, but it's it's not as bad. So, uh-huh. um, I relapsed again, went in went into inpatient, and uh, the thing that I've had dealt with all my life is anxiety. Um, my ADHD was in check, but because of my methamphetamine use, I believe very strongly. I ended up being bipolar one, so, and I don't, and I don't get that happy, bubbly, full of energy, kind of mania. I get the mm-hmm. every 
thing. Whatever annoys me usually totally pisses me off. And, and you know, being pissed off is rage. It's not just, okay, I'm mad at you. You know? Yeah. Um, very verbally aggressive and, 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 and my, my brain wouldn't shut off. You know, I, I was barely uh-huh. getting any sleep at night. Luckily, I got on the right med regimen to combat the anxiety. Um, I used to, before I got on, on the right road, I used to have anxiety attacks, even sometimes when I was drunk or high, like 10, 12 times a day. Um, you know, um, it takes, when you're homeless, it's, your anxiety is already at a certain level because, yes. you know, just because you, you you're, you're the chemical imbalance in your brain and then adding homelessness and, and having to watch out all the time and, and, and not knowing where your next meal is coming from or where you're going to be laying, laying down that night. You know, mm-hmm. adds a lot of extra stress. So, um, yeah, when I this last time when I went through inpatient on October fourth, fourteenth of last year, um, I was a little less angry and more on the ball with, mm-hmm. with uh, my program. Um, the thing that see with me treatment. Treatment and, and, and my recovery is black and white. You know, there's not really shades of gray with me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the ultimate harm reduction for, program for me is abstinence. Anything else, mm-hmm. and I'm back off to the races. Um, yeah. So going to treatment, inpatient treatment someplace that, was, that uses harm reduction was kind of frustrating because um, people would end up sneaking in dope and, and using um, yeah. or go out on pass, come back snookered or high as hell and, and you know, they gave them time after time after time. Um, I was really fr- the, the thing that stunted me the most was um, putting my standards and my expectations for myself and projecting that onto others. A big-ass case of the mm-hmm. should. I'm doing yeah. this. You're here. You should be doing this. Two, you know, um, I, I was very direct and blunt because, you know, there was no quarter with, with me either. You were all the way sober or don't even try to say you're sober. You know, don't say, well, I'm doing the harm reduction thing. Well, that means you're using. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, 51 days later, I graduated, um, and one of the guys that thought I was on bullshit and was always pecking the butt out of me for about the first couple weeks he was there, um... At the, at the graduation ceremony, your counselor picks out a stone with with a word on it, and you have somebody present that. He's like, 
dude, I want to present that stone to you, you know, and, 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 you know, he's, it was the best feeling in the world to actually have 51 days sober and to have people like that didn't necessarily agree with me and, and thought I was kind of hanky end up being my best friends. I still keep in contact with a bunch of people from Plus Recovery Center in, in Minneapolis, 2120 mm-hmm. Park Avenue. Um, very great people there. Leon is was my counselor. He was great. Chris Ackerman is now the director there, and, and he's just phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. Then after there, I went to what's called an earth facility. And it stands for Intensive Rehabilitation Treatment Services. Um, basically, it's a 90-day treatment center for mental health, mm-hmm. which is what I had been advocating for bef- before I got bounced out of treatment the first time and, and, and came back after I got some legal stuff taken care of. Um, and they were, my counselor was like, you still want to go, go to an earth facility? I was like, yeah. Okay. They got this new one in North Minneapolis called Northside residence. Um, Mm -hmm. like eight people. And all you do is groups. You have five groups, two in the morning, two in the afternoon and one at night. And then you have, uh, free time or, or, or whatever kind of structured activities. And mm-hmm. it helped you, it helped me a lot to work on my mental health. Um, mm-hmm. some of the things I, I do now is I do a lot of binaural therapy. I, I listen to, I have like four or five binaural beat apps. Um, I've got a couple of, um, meditation apps. I try to meditate two or three times a day. Binaurals at night, isochronic tones. Um, you know, just training my brain subconsciously, you know, with the binaurals is two conflicting tones making a third tone, which ultimately tweaks your brain a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'm... I'm yeah, that with the meditation and, and the guided meditations. I use Insight Timer. If anybody's got Google, got Android, get Insight Timer. The free version is cool. If you can afford to pay the, the monthly charge for the courses, do that. Um, you know, um, and... So, yeah, you know, I, I, I graduated from Northside, which was kind of a struggle because, again, I was putting my expectations, projecting my standards onto others and judging them by, the, by my standards. Mm-hmm. Whereas I should have oh, yeah. been meeting them where they were at. Um, since I've had a lot more chance to meet people where they're at, being on the outside, you know, being like, okay, 
you know, this person's new. They're trying to get it. You know, I've got a buddy that we went to treatment together. Uh, Dave Fallon, really good, really good dude. And, um, you know, we started out, we'd do morning meditations and, and readings and, and, and talk. And as, you know, he's, I've had so many of the roommates I had in treatment fall by the wayside. It's not even funny. I mean, this disease is no freaking joke. Yeah. It's, it's no freaking joke. It's, it's, it's definitely no joke. I mean, you know, if, if I'm not on my game 24, seven, 365, every second minute, hour, day, week, I can go back out there and use, you know, my mm -hmm. mind would trick me into thinking, okay, I can get away with it once. Well, then it's okay. I got away with it once. Why the hell not do it again? You know, I, I've mm -hmm. got the patterns down. I, you know, as soon as you got shit figured out, that's when the guys uh, end up flipping the script on you and they throw a monkey wrench in your gearbox and you end up getting busted. Anyway, you're out, no matter what you do, you put that out there, you are going to get busted. Might not be for what you did the first time, but, you know, you'll get busted. Um, you know, going to meetings and everything has been very good. It's, it, uh, I've actually... My goal is to become a peer support specialist. Um, that that's somebody that works at either for uh, an organization that that utilizes them or for uh, treatment centers to help people just like me stay sober. I, I I'm I'm not I'm like. A step down from a counselor. I'm, I'm, and and not a tech. Um, and I'm above it, uh, uh, the the uh, techs. Um, mm -hmm. I'm the guy that helps with helps the counselors with with uh, their groups. Um, adds my add my ten cents in there. You know, with with what I go through have one-on-ones with, with everybody in the treatment center and, and see how they're going and try to help people and steer them a little bit more on, on the off hours. So hopefully they get it right. You know, mm -hmm. like you can be, you know, I was in treatment for three months and half, you know, after a month, you're basically there after about a, I'd say a month, month and a half, they're rehashing the same stuff because new people are coming in and you know, you're getting bored and everything else. So it's nice to be able to have somebody that you can talk to when everybody else is busy and get a different perspective. Um, I'm in a really good silver house now at Hattie house over in Bloomington. Um, they have a, a zero tolerance policy with using. Um, mm -hmm. the, first week, the first week I was here, that weekend, two guys decided one 
decided he was going to shoot himself to the moon with morphine. Uh, I mean, heroin. The other guy drank a couple bottles of uh, mouthwash, and they both got hauled to detox and bounced out. So um, you got to make sure that you're in a, a safe environment when you're looking for sober housing, I found, because if yeah. you're not... There's a lot more temptation. Like me, I'm in residential right now. I'm I'm in Bloomington, which is not far from the Mall of America. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a nice neighborhood. There's family. Then there's apartment buildings, but everybody, you know, is family people. It's not a bunch of partiers and everything else like that. It, it's a lot more a mixture of, of, of people of color and and. Caucasians, um, you know, and there's not a dealer on every street. You know, I've been here darn near a month, and I have I haven't had the only time I had anybody offer me some drugs was when I had to get on the bus to go someplace. Other than mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm nice and safe here. Um, I go through. You know, the biggest thing is my self-care, my, my the mental hygiene, the, the, the physical hygiene, the spiritual hygiene. You know, mm-hmm. you have... I, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about 12-step programs in a very not-so-nice manner because of the whole God thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know... Paganism has definitely made itself known these days. Um, before, you know, you, if you were pagan and, and at a meeting, all you did was get preached at. Now, we have our own meetings. Uh, I've been a pagan for a few years now, um, and... You know, having that spirituality, not religion, spirituality, there's a difference. With religion, it's rules, regulations, you do this or you're fucked mm-hmm. in the afterlife. Whereas spirituality is, okay, I messed up, you know, I'm going to do better tomorrow. Here's where I messed up, I'm going to tweak it tomorrow and do better, I- improve myself. And... When I found my spirituality and, and, and which I practice every single day, um, you know, meditation being part of my spirituality, readings part of my spirituality, there are umpty billion face, Facebook groups for pagans in recovery. Uh-huh. Um, I've gotten hooked up with three or four of those groups, um, left-hand path recovery here in, in uh, Minneapolis off Central and 18th, um, left-hand path recovery is, is for, is a smaller group of, of pagans that are addic- have addictive natures and are suffering from the life that they led and they're trying to do something better with congregating together and mm-hmm. and, and sh- sharing 
experience, strength, and hope. You know, that's what you need to find with a meeting is find one that's right for you. There's always going to be, they've got them for, for, for the, the, the LGBTQ. They've got overeaters anonymous. They've got gamblers anonymous, porn anonymous. They've got a anonymous program for any and anything that might be addicting out there. All you got to do is get on the line. You know, your best resource to start out with is probably Facebook at this point because, you know, like I said, they have groups for everything. They have a Facebook group for everything. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's how I got into some pagan meetings and, and, and have a pagan sponsor. I'm working my force. I'm still in the middle of my fourth step. Um, so yeah, you know, it's just taking it one day at a time. My, my mantra is life is fact. Number one, life is a rat sandwich. Mm -hmm. Number two, when life hands you a rat sandwich, steak sauce makes it, makes everything taste like steak sauce. So my mantra is find the steak sauce when life hands you a rat sandwich. That way it tastes mm-hmm. like steak. So if you got to eat it, at least it's decent, you know? Mm-hmm. Basically, find the positive in every situation. Don't get bogged down into the negative because as addicts, as an, I've found... In my experience, as an addict, my mind will just churn and churn and churn on that negative stuff. And that jacks my anxiety up and just, you know, makes it to where I, I might not get but two hours of sleep a night. You know, it, it, you got, because you're always expecting things to go wrong. If you think in a positive light and think, okay, yeah, this could go wrong, but this is the workaround. Mm-hmm. You frame it into, okay, this is how I can work around all this shit that, that, that can go wrong. Then you have a plan of attack. You're more able to handle that situation and get through it without getting high. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and, 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 you know, I've got people that at, at meetings, you know, talking about the 12th step now, you know, at meetings, it's it's really good to get your story out because something you say is going to resonate with somebody else. And more than likely, it's, it's going to be a newcomer. It's coming in. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I've had newcomers come up to me and say, dude, you know, what you said that's me. I'm like, well, hey, did it help? Yeah, man. You know, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk in fellowship afterwards, maybe go to Perkins or or, or sit at a park and, and smoke cigarettes and bullshit about life and, and, and you know, our experiences and, and, and what's worked for us, you know, sharing my experience and what's worked for me reinforces it in my head and helping other people reminds me where I came from. reminds me of my roots. I came in a destitute junkie that 
was just looked on as a piece of garbage by society. Mm. And now, you know, I've got people in my sober network that ask me to be in their sober network. Mm. You know, they reached out to me and said, hey, I like what you said. Here's my problem. You know, I've got, you know, I've got a bunch of people I check on every single day, you know, in case they're doing not so good. You know, I give them a little encouragement. We talk it through, think it out, get everything taken care of. That's pretty much all I got, man. That's my all story. Right. All right, man. Cool. Great job. Well, we definitely have some questions for you. Uh, all right. May I, go, may I go first, Eric? Sure. Okay. Um, I, I want to start with something you were talking to talking about uh, right at the end with like uh, the paganism um, mm-hmm. because it, that's that's very similar to like my uh, spirituality. Uh, mine's more of the like Norse heathen. Like, yeah, yep, yep. I'm friends with plenty of heathens, man. Hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just wanted to know, like, uh, so. Can you, like, describe, like, which path of, like, paganism you chose and uh, how it, uh, how you practice it, like, in conjunction with your recovery? I am, I guess you'd call me an eclectic pagan. I prefer MacGyver-style pagan. Um, I follow the Egyptian gods. Um, Okay. So it's like... I take a little bit from from Odinism, from from mm-hmm. Buddhism, a little bit mm-hmm. of Hindu and Shinto, um, mm-hmm. some of the Green Path, the Gray Path. Yep. Um, and I smash it all together to help me. You know, magic yeah. is about thought and intent, mm-hmm. and then action. You know, you 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 you're doing your spell work. You're 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 doing your rituals, and then you're not sitting on your ass waiting for mm-hmm. something to happen. You're out there making sure that it does happen. You know, you're... It's like the Christians say faith without works is nothing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's the same with paganism. If, if you yep. don't have the faith of a little tiny grain of sand, nothing's going to happen. You know, everything yep. you try is going to be for naught. But if if you're following your spiritual path devotedly and and keeping up on that, you know, I maybe since I've been in sober housing, I've probably had one using dream, and at the time I was doing lucid dreaming, so like within a couple of seconds, I was like, wait, no, I don't want this and kicked right out of it, you know, um, um, working with tarot cards, um, you know, I've got a, I've got a bunch of, uh, resources for, uh, um, pagans in recovery. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I read Russell Brand's book recovery. I love that man. Um, that dude is definitely hella spiritual. I just, Mm. you know, 
it, it hits my heart every time he opens his mouth to speak. Um, yeah. You know, get all the resources you can, figure out which ones you want to keep, which ones resonate with you, and build yourself your own spiritual path. Yep, absolutely. You know, well, mm-hmm. you know, so that's what I got for that. Perfect. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, what you got, Eric? So you, you talked a lot about core issues and mental health. And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, you said that you, you seeked outside help and you seeked extra help. What are mm-hmm. some of the things that you're currently doing besides the meditation um, to make sure that you're still on an even keel um, to the best of your ability, of course, with your mental health and, you know, processing the core issues of your past? Um, I pretty much, I've always been, whenever I get busted, I'm of the mind, okay, I fucked up. I got to pay the consequences. You know, you got to pay the point. All right. That's all well and good. Um, you know, I'm good there. It's with the mental health. I'm going to therapy every week. I have a therapist. I talk to every week, a psychiatrist. I talk to every month, month and a half. I've got, um, an arms worker, which basically, um, is kind of like sober support. Try, helps you get through the day. Helps you with planning. Helps you with whatever resources they can find. Find finding the, directing you towards the resources. I've got a case manager that I talk to biweekly. Um, you know, I, I I end up going to therapy and and like doing a lot of write some writing um you know he my therapist gives me assignments um to work on you know when i'm having issues like loving kindness self-compassion um seeing the gray in situations Mm. uh just you know blurting out all my brain puke from the past week and then him finding the patterns and saying, okay, I see a pattern here. Did you see this? No, I didn't. Okay, here's the pattern. This is what we're going to work on. This is your homework. You know, you have, you have to keep up. You have to keep up on your med regimen. You have to. Because if I don't keep up on my med regimen, the only thing that's with my, like I said, nowadays with my med regimen, I've only had a couple. A couple, maybe two or three millisecond anxiety attacks. Mm. You know, little okay. points here and there, but I've been able to snap myself out of them. Like as soon as they they start, I stop them. You know, so I'm doing good. I'm able to sleep at night. Um, yeah, I know some people, especially when they get sober, do not like to take want to go to the extreme of not taking any meds whatsoever. But if you need take meds, it's because there's a, there's a chemical in your brain that is not getting to the right place. And 
you need that medication to, to solve those mental, to, to ease those mental problems. You're never going to get cured, but you can at least nix the, the, the symptoms and, or if you do become symptomatic, the symptoms won't be as bad and you can snap yourself out. I, I, that's the one thing I would preach about is med management. Make sure you are on top of your meds. I'm in a sober house where they do meds on a regular schedule three times a day. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you don't take your meds, they mark that down. You know, they are making sure that you are taking your meds. You, you know, they're making, making us meals three, three times a day. Um, required to go to three meetings a week. I'm either on Zoom or Discord all week long um, with either meetings or, or just chatting in, in the groups. Um, you know, um, Zoom is great for, for making meetings. Anybody can start a meeting in Zoom. I, they give you a code. You just set everything up. Give people the link, you know. Um, all of the sites I'm on, they have no problem uh, doing pop-up meetings, like in in the afternoon. Usually they do them at night, but in the afternoon, if somebody needs a meeting, say, "Hey, I," you know, they go on, on the general chat line and they're like, "I need a meeting. Hook me up." Somebody out there, especially now with the apocalypse going on right now. Everybody's staying at home. There's plenty of people to answer the call, and and you can get your meeting on. You know, it's med management, keeping up with my psych appointments, and going to meetings. Um, meditation, a lot of meditation, a lot of reading. Um, you can, you know, so being sober can be very fun. You just have to find the right group and if that has lots of fun like um over on in east st paul at northwestern alano nicknamed the white house um about this time of year they're having cookouts and barbecues um going to gopher state having a couple sweets at gopher state over in bloomington um you know every holiday they're there till probably one o'clock um, doing meetings and, and all day long and, and uh, potluck. Everybody brings some lunch, dinner, you know, find it. Yeah. you got to find a home group that resonates with you and has fun with it. You know, I, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I never believed it. The reason I got turned off of Christianity after decades of being a Christian was long faced religion. Everybody, you know, drill and drum, basically spiritual wise, they were dry drunks mm-hmm. and, and in a spiritual way. Um, yeah. Whereas with paganism, you know, they take anybody and everybody. They don't discriminate. 
You know, yeah. um, you know, the brother on your left could, could be practicing Islam, but he's in the he's in your circle. You know, he uses he does rituals and everything with with his God and 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 in his style, and you know. So there's a smorgasbord of everything out there. You just got to find the right one. Yep. What else you got? All right. All right. Um, so what do you see as, like, the biggest challenges that you're going to face? And, like, how are you going to overcome them to uh, maintain long-term recovery? My biggest barrier is me. Mm-hmm. Um, complacency. Yeah. Being comfortable. You know, mm. if if you're not feeling a little, if you're, if you're feeling comfortable in sobriety, you're not doing it right. Something mm. by the wayside. You know, yeah. something, something is wrong. There is some issue that either you overlooked, denied, or don't see that going to get you stuck in the end. Within, you know, mm-hmm. within a month or two, you're going to be right back to where you were, where you were before you, you got sober. Um, yeah. I can't be comfortable. I have to be on my guard all the time. I have to know exactly anytime I go out, where I'm walking, what kind of crowd is going to be out there, you know, what mm-hmm. section of town it is, I have to be on the ball and, and make sure that I'm staying in and, and traveling in safer places. Or if I can't, call up a sober buddy, and, you know, and, and get a sober buddy to road dog it with you. Or, or yeah. um, you know, set up, you know, going to, getting invited to get-togethers where... It's likely there's going to be a few people smoking some weed out back, and there's going to be a little bit of drinking. You know, if, yeah. if you do want to go to this event, make sure that you have somebody calling you. I make sure to have a sober person calling me about a half hour into it and saying, hey, are you good? Or... Mm-hmm. Are, are things a little bit hanky? And you can be like, and then you be like, all right, cool, I'm on my way, you know, and mm-hmm. get out of the situation or not, nah, I'm good, dude, cool, everything's going right, hit me up in about an hour. Yeah. You know, make sure you have a backup and a backup for the backup. Mm. You know, yep. once you have your, your plan of action and, and your plan of attack, make sure that you have enough backups to where if you don't come out smelling like roses, at least you ain't smelling like shit. Yeah. You know. Love it. So that's what I got for that. Next question. Perfect. <laughs> well, it is uh it's a it's about that time, David. It's that time? It All is right. that time. Ladies and ge- ladies and gentlemen of the audience, it is time to go to the Twitter. So this uh, question um, comes mm-hmm. from A G A S Mauritius. Um, mm-hmm. So the oh, way nice. is that yeah. uh, Freddie, nice. 
So the way that this works is, um, Steve, you'll you'll answer the question first, and then David, and then myself. And uh, mm-hmm. the question is, having reservations and fears and admitting um, powerlessness over addiction to your family members, um, how, mm. how did you admit your, like, how did you go about telling your family that you were an addict and how was that met by the family? Mm. Um, my parents told me I was an addict. I didn't have to broach the subject with them. They said, hey, shit's rotten in Denmark. And, and yep. the shit is rotten in Denmark. Freaking... You know, you got to stop this. You got to get some help. You know, I don't understand why you always do this. You know, they were the ones pestering me. And, you know, I go started out, I'd go into treatment for a while just to get them off my ass so I could do whatever I want. But now, as I've flipped that switch in my head, you know, it's more admitting to everybody else that I'm an addict. Admitting to myself that I'm an addict, mm-hmm. you know, tell, you know, before it was just I like to get fucked up. Nah, now it's I'm an addict. I can't, you know, I can't even be around it because I'll start drooling. You know, mm-hmm. I never, I'd lie about my use and everything to uh, my parents and family, but they knew, they knew I was on yeah. bullshit. You know, that's why they kicked me out in the end. And, and uh, you know, the only way I could come back was for a week to get into treatment. Within three days, I was in treatment. So, you know, um, yeah, it was basically confronting myself. Mm. Mm. Love that. Um, so, Eric, the question is reservations about telling our family that we're an addict. Yes, and then how did your family react when they found out, or when you told them? Okay. Um, well, in active addiction, uh, like it, it, it was a hundred percent a re- reservation, and I was basically living a double life. Um, like Steve was talking about, like they they knew something was up, but again, I, I was. I was not telling the truth to them in any way, shape or form. So they didn't know the extent of my problems. And like, once I was re really out on my own, they didn't have to know like what legal trouble I was having. Like they, they I had basically zero accountability to my family. So anytime I was in and out of jail yeah. or on, on probation or anything, they they didn't know, so they didn't know how bad it had really gotten. Um, and and the whole time I had I had that that fear and like I, I guess denial, trying to maintain that I wasn't as bad as I really was. Yeah. So that 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 really summed up the the reservation I had, like in in active addiction. But then once it came to recovery. I didn't really have as much of a reservation because at that point, like all, all the chips sort of 
got put out on the table and all my, all my cards got shown and they, they knew what was going on and how bad it had gotten. Um, so there really wasn't, there, there was nothing left to hide. So, um, uh, it, it was really easy for me to ad- admit like what I had been doing and where I had been and, and, and honestly who I am and, and to, to really bravely say like, yeah, I'm, I'm an addict and now I'm in recovery. Um, and as time has gone on with different, uh, family mem- friends and family members, it's, uh, it's been re- really easy to be open, honest, and uh, uh, vulnerable ab- about my my addiction and my recovery, and like how how my family reacted. Um, I'll, I'll do it the same way. Like in in uh, in active addiction, like they just they didn't enable me, but they just they didn't try and dig any deeper into what they didn't really try to figure out what the problem was and what was going on. So they like, they sort of, I don't know, not, not ignored it, but just, they knew something wasn't what was going on and they didn't want to know anymore. Mm. And then, uh, in, in once I've, I finally like turned to recovery, um, most of my family was still, was, uh, very like proud of me. And they were like, awesome. Anything you need, any, like any help you can give or uh, that we can give you, we're happy to be there. And we're, we're proud of you just continue on this course. But there were other ones who still had a lot of resentment towards me mm-hmm. that I, that I had earned. And it took several years of staying clean. Like my one sister, she didn't talk to me until I had, four, four and a half years clean. And, but since then, like the last three, four years of our relationship has been amazing. It's like, but between that point, we hadn't talked in, uh, six, seven years, but, um, so, but, but since then, like I, I talked to her on almost a daily basis and like my, my family life has just become amazing. Um, by, by getting over those resentments on, on my side and, or not, re, not resentments, but well, yeah, resentments and reservations on my side and on theirs and really developing a healthy, uh, family unit again, as much as we can. Awesome. Cool. Um, what about you, Eric? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I had n- no real issues. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with... So, with uh, admitting my powerlessness to my addiction um, and to my family. I mean, I was pretty good at hiding it. Um, so I might, my family might have known a little bit, but not, a, I mean, not to that point. But, I mean, I didn't really have any, like, yeah. I mean, when I was, like, in high school, sure, I might have had some fears about admitting that I was, like, an addict and knowing, like, I had a problem. 
but at the end, like, I don't know. I didn't really fucking care. <laughs> I was, I, I, mean, I was yeah. a drug addict. Like, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't think, I think my look kind of spoke for itself. Um, it's like, why are you wearing long sleeves in July? Like, why is your face yep. sunken in? Why are you gray? Um, why did you just sleep for 16 hours? Like, I, I didn't need someone to be like, you know, I, I don't know. I, and I don't know that initial one. Sure. Sure. Right. But not, not, not later. You know, I mean, it was a pretty open secret after yeah. a while. And then with my family, yeah. it was just like, they were just disappointed. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people will say like, oh man, that's what got me the most. I, I mean, to be honest, when when I was using it, I didn't fucking care. It probably didn't get you that bad. <laughs> no, yeah, it didn't. I mean, it didn't. Like, from an outward perspective, I was fine. Like, I, I didn't, yes, I was a junkie, but I was still doing everything I was supposed to be doing, like, quote-unquote, supposed to be doing in life. So, just because, you know, I, like, you know, was a drug addict and I ate a bunch of pills and smoked crack and shot heroin, it didn't mean, like, I wasn't still, like, holding down a job. So, I was like, if I can do this, like, I don't really give a fuck what you guys think. Um... So, I mean... Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I mean, I I guess the very short time of, like, admitting it, like, it was such a moment in time where I don't even know if I had that long to really have any fear about it or reservations. Like, they kind of just knew because I kept fucking up. <laughs> um, You know? Yeah. Like, my, 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 like, bigger family, like, my extended family, it took them, I guess, a little bit longer. But even then, it was just, like, Mm -hmm. I was, like, I'm a drug addict, and I don't really care what you think. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's, that's all I got. All right. Well, it looks like we are about out of time, but we would like to thank our guest, Steve, for joining us this evening. Thank you very much. Yay, Absolutely. Boy. Did a great job, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Mm-hmm. Here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and podcast recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, Make sure you check out our digital baskets on uh, Patreon, uh, PayPal, and uh, Venmo. Um, And if you want to listen to uh, any more podcasts, you can go to iTunes, Google Play, all that good stuff. If you want more information about Eric, Carly, uh, Allie, and myself, go to podcastrecovery.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our YouTube channel. But most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean.